Welcome to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thanks for choosing to listen to this QMS podcast. I'm Mark Stephen. This series is about animal health and today we're going to be looking at the issues behind abortion in sheep and cattle. Joining me now is Cece Corbett, who's a veterinary investigation officer for SRUC. Cece's worked in farm animal clinical practice in both the UK and New Zealand and for the last year she's worked for both the Animal and Plant Health Agency in Yorkshire and now for the SRUC in Dumfries. Her particular interests include sheep and beef cattle infectious diseases. Good morning, Cece. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Good morning, Mark. No, thank you very much for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. I would say that abortion is one of the most disappointing and upsetting things to happen in farming. So what causes an animal to abort? Yes, I think that's probably the million dollar question. And there's obviously a lot of different causes of abortion in both species. I think you're right in that it can be an incredibly distressing time for any farmer when they have abortions. And I know that a lot of people feel very helpless when it does occur, that there's often a a limited amount that you can do. But the one thing that it's definitely worth doing is trying to get a diagnosis with your vet, because it might be that even though you can't do something directly at the time, you might be able to prevent further cases in future years so yeah I I think it's always worth trying to find what's going on and that may not be possible in all cases but the one best place to start is with a fetus and your vet on board and and to try and take samples from that and find out there's two different types of abortion generally we talk about they're infectious and non-infectious causes infectious are the ones that everybody always jumps to and and thinks about and they are probably the most important and and sometimes the most useful to know if they're there or not on your farm but there's a lot of non-infectious causes as well which can be sometimes harder to put your finger on but uh, are also very useful to be aware of. What are the non-infectious causes? Well they generally fall into a few categories you can obviously get physical trauma related to that dam to that ewe or that cow which causes the fetus to be expelled you can get nutritional causes Um, one that springs to mind might be say iodine deficiency in heifers is one that people might have seen or heard of toxic causes and that can be either a chemical toxin or a plant toxin nitrate poisoning for example and and all these various plants that we think about Uh, for example hemlock genetic causes how the calf or that lamb has grown in the uterus has been affected by by something genetically that's gone wrong and that can cause the fetus to be expelled early as well and sometimes to look a bit strange are the tests available and and if so when do you when do you apply those tests and what what are you actually testing for Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's lots of different testing you can do. I think absolutely knowing when to go in and to investigate is important. And generally, we talk about a background level of abortions of about 2% or less to be something, unfortunately, that might just have to accept is going to occur. Anything above that level, or if you have a large number of abortions at once, then that's when 
we think it's useful to go in and to try and find an answer. And the first thing to do is to give your vet a ring and to tell them what's happened and to try and save any fetuses that might be expelled and any placenta that you have and to bag that up and to keep it safe so that your vet has then the chance to take samples from that if that's necessary or to say go down to your nearest SRUC lab and give them the whole fetus and the placenta as well and, and they can do the investigations on it and we will treat you know both of them the same essentially whether we receive samples from your vet in the post or whether we receive the the original fetus and your vet might also take samples from the cow or the sheep to go with that as well but the fetus and the placenta is the most important thing to get to us. Tell me about the SRUC investigation so I mean you, you mentioned it there just now you know you can you can put samples into it etc who funds it what's what's the long-term purpose of it? It's a network across Scotland and we do have some post-mortem centres where we can receive fetuses like I was just explaining and I work at one of them in Dumfries. We're funded by the Scottish Government um, and our, our main purpose is to, we have several purposes, but one of them is certainly to provide surveillance information and data, not only to help farmers and to help vets, but also to check what's going on out there and to check that there's nothing happening that we haven't originally been aware of. So if there was an outbreak of a new disease or or a change in patterns of disease, then it's our job to pick up on that and to provide farmers and farm vets with information and to just alert all people who need to know that there's something going on out there that we haven't been aware of before. So if you give us any samples, whether that's directly or indirectly through your vet, you will hopefully we'll get you an answer and we'll we'll get you some some information, but we'll also put that into our disease surveillance network system as well. This is possibly a slightly gruesome question, but how important is it that you get the samples fresh? Yes, it's it's very important, definitely. And I know that's not always possible. And um, sometimes, particularly when we're talking about abortions, these fetuses have been dead for quite a long time already, potentially even inside the animal. So it, it can look a bit stinky and horrible. And you might think, no, they don't want that down, down at the SRUC investigation centre. But we do, we still do, and we can still get answers off some of these but generally, yes, the fresher, the better. Bag it up, keep it cool and keep it clean and, and get it to us or get it to your vet straight away. Is there a particular time of year or times of year that you tend to get sort of almost like rushes of business? Yeah, we're definitely coming into our busy period right now. And it is obviously a very timely talk because probably February and March are when we get the most in abortion investigations brought into us just simply because of the seasonal carving period but we'll get them all year round as well so I think our busy time is probably your busy time. And are there you know for example in human terms you might look back at 2020 and say yes that was the year of Covid that's what everyone's going to remember it for you know are there sort of patterns of major activity year on year? Definitely there's um one that just sprung to mind when you said that is um, one that probably everyone's heard of is Schmallenberg virus. And this is something that we generally think we see in 
four-year cycles because the national herd immunity drops over a period of time. And we did think that we might see some abortions due to Schmalenberg virus in 2021. We didn't see very many, interestingly, but um, hot off the press, I, I can say that we've already had one in 2022, just last week. So whether we'll see a, a little run of those again, I don't know, hopefully not. But it's certainly good to be aware of these things. And if the situation becomes more serious, then we'll obviously let everybody know. How do farmers respond to this? I mean, do they want to know? I think they do. Yeah, definitely. I think in many cases they want to know. I think that it's always um, a little bit disappointing and people feel that we haven't got an answer uh, and and that's disappointing if we if you give us a fetus and we come back to you and say I'm afraid we haven't diagnosed the cause of abortion in this and that can be very frustrating but I don't think those cases should be viewed in the way that they often are they're not necessarily a failure even if we don't find you an answer we've still excluded a lot of infectious causes by you bringing us those samples and that's really important um, that you know that that abortion has not been caused by this disease or that disease it's important not only for your herd or your flock but also you know for your own health and I think everyone's aware that there's certain causes of abortion that will potentially cause problems in people and particularly women so it's always good to know that those are not present um, it's just that we, we might not always be able to put our finger on and, and non-infectious causes of abortion are often harder to diagnose than the infectious causes so it might be just that you've had a non-infectious cause and, and hopefully it won't turn into a bigger problem. Is that something you as a young woman are particularly aware of safe handling? Yeah definitely always encourage people to handle abortion material with gloves on and just to be really sensible about it you know potentially think about isolating that animal to be fairly biosecure when you're going near that animal until she's, you know, the, the process of abortion has stopped. And if you're getting samples to your vet, just make them aware that these are, these are abortion samples that you're going to be dealing with. And if you come to an SIUC centre, obviously just, just come and tell us what you've got first and then we'll, we'll take it off you in, in a safe way. So I think everybody's very sensible about it generally though. Coming back to the NSRUC investigation service, when you are able to diagnose particular causes, you know, and you might see a, a rash of events on a particular farm, does it change the way those farmers farm? Yeah, in many cases it will. Sometimes all you can do at the time, depending on the cause, obviously, that we've diagnosed, is to potentially, what we've already talked about, isolate those animals. It, it might even involve you changing your feed. Um, it might mean that you need to look at what those animals have access to eating or how they're housed. And then it might change your vaccination strategy in the future. And those are often the success stories when there has been a infectious cause of abortion diagnosed and you can go forward with that knowledge and potentially think about vaccinating the flock or the herd the next year for that cause. It might also change how you think about buying in your replacements 
so it, it will very much depend on the situation but yes it can have huge impacts and it's definitely something to chat about with your vet if you do have a diagnosis and to say right we found this out and how can I prevent this in the future so it can be incredibly useful information Time after time on these podcasts, we've spoken about the digital aspects of farming nowadays. You know, the fact that there are apps that you know people can follow the progress of their flocks or herds more or less on their mobile phones. You know, if, if if they have to, there's a lot of information, a lot of data out there, and if you can mine down and get the relevant information, it, it's hugely helpful. You must see that in a veterinary sense as being very, very positive. The more information you've got, the better. Yes. Definitely. That's a really, really good point. And I have heard you talking about it in your other podcasts. I think that it is important to have a baseline. And if you are aware of how many abortions or stillbirths that you might have in your flock or your herd every year, you know what's normal for you. And it might be something that it surprises you. You might find that actually maybe you need to do a bit of investigating already but it, in general, it will give you a better idea of when things are going wrong and, and when maybe a, a bit of insidious problem is creeping in and, and you need to have a look there and, and see what's going on. So absolutely, I think data collection for abortions is very, very useful. I think the other thing that can sometimes surprise people is the fact that um, the number of stillbirths that we get, in particularly thinking about the beef herd, and how numbers of those can creep up and they might get filed under abortion in somebody's head but actually stillbirths are are different. What is the difference because I I didn't want to finish on a gruesome question but that was the one that jumped into my head. What's the difference between a stillbirth and an abortion? Well a stillbirth is generally a fetus that's full term or very near full term. The definition in Catholic is over 271 days and it's technically a stillbirth um, or or the birth of a calf that is alive but dies within the first 24 hours. So it's not necessarily important to, to draw a very clear line between the two but your vet will help you decide whether this should be treated more like a stillbirth or an abortion because there's a whole raft of of causes of, of stillbirths that a less a much more important for, for that stage of fetus than an abortion and they can be quite tricky to diagnose as well but if you can get those submitted then sometimes you can you can get really useful answers there and um, we tend to see more problems with dystocia so prolonged calving and fetal maternal mismatch in size obviously and genetic causes as well focused around stillbirth calves and lambs so if sometimes people can look at the data and they can just see maybe numbers of of calves that have died very rapidly creeping up and that can help you point towards a a direction of maybe how to manage that and that could be a, a large number of reasons including you know heifer size bull heifer matching and things like that so data can really give you a helping hand there because it might be quite a subtle problem sometimes so just around this up then if, if a farmer is listening to this and he or she has a problem with an abortion how do they contact SRUC how do, I mean, do they go to their vets first which does it make any difference we generally encourage you to give your vets a ring first because it's useful for them to know that 
uh, what's gone on and they can take a little bit of history from you and decide maybe what the most useful path is and sometimes they might you know they might with you decide that actually maybe it's not worth investigating this time maybe we'll just sit tight and wait but they can also help you decide whether it's more appropriate for them to come out and to see it and to take the samples from the fetus or whether if if you're geographically close to one of our centers whether you want to pop down and in that case your vet will then ring us at the center and say yeah, we've got this this farmer coming down this is what he's bringing this is what I know about what's going on so give your vet a, a ring first and then um, we'd love to see you down at the centre with whatever you can bring us to. Cece, it's not a happy topic, but it's been a fascinating one. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thank you very much, Mark. Really intriguing stuff. Cece Corbett there, Veterinary Investigation Officer for SRUC. And we've been doing these QMS podcasts for nearly two years now, so there's a considerable back catalogue which you may not have heard. Uh, just have a browse around and see if there's anything that's of interest to you. I hope you found this one useful. Next time, we're going to be talking about nutrition and metabolic profiling. Until then, I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.